What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni. And with me, once again, is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing today? I'm not a wrestler, so don't give me that kind of entrance ever again. Colin Mitchell. It's like a <laughs> it's like a basketball intro. That's what it is. I, we'll see. I feel like standing at five foot ten. But see, yeah, see, from I Detroit, feel, Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> um, shooting guard. One, 100 and uh, I don't know, uh, 67 pounds. Uh huh. I had to think. I was thinking of your weight, you know, in the in the uh, low, yeah. the low one tens. Okay, oh one tens. <laughs> Damn, I weigh one ten. That's sad. Um, but no, that's a good. That was a good intro, Colin. We gotta we gotta have like a have a have some fans here. Maybe yeah. we can do like the get a how, studio. How first take does like the the live audience. Yeah, and they're like in the background reacting to takes, laughing at their jokes, so we don't have to like. Yeah, so we don't be the only ones for ourselves. Exactly, exactly. That would be great. Uh, for whoever wants to be in our live studio audience, we have like at least two <laughs> spots on Maya's bed and like three on my bed. So I mean, we have Maya as a studio audience. Yeah, she's, she's Maya, Maya's here. Um, she's she's calmer. So uh, I thought she's. she's I didn't good. know what that was that she was playing with. It's supposed to be a, a a plush wine bottle. Yeah, I thought it was like Crown Royal. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, like, I'm getting I'm like my what dog, are we I'm promoting getting, here? My dog drunk. <laughs> um. All right, Colin. It's, it's enough. Enough jibber jabber. We have enough on our plate already. We're so again for those of y'all who maybe did listen last week or didn't listen last week's. Uh, we're doing a football and a basketball pod every single week. Um, last week on the football pod, obviously we covered the Charlotte game and the, um, horrendous showing that that was. And then we went to the basketball side, which was our season preview part one. So we will be recording our season preview part two after this. So check that out. Um, but let's get into UTEP first. All right. We got a lot to talk about here. Um, and not only because of the game, but because of some fun extracurricular stuff that kind of saved the game from being boring in my opinion. And it kind of gave us some good Twitter uh, I think I think it, I think it gave everybody just some uplifting moments because just a win over UTEP would have just been eh. The game was honestly really not very interesting. No, it was not compelling at not all. Not at all. So, because the game started off, so let's get into the recap. The game started off North Texas first play of the game after Deion Hare Griffin easily returned it to the thirty, like the UTEP thirty yard line, thirty three yard line, and then. A quick RPO, Mason Fine for the touchdown. I believe it was, gosh, I'm not Deontay gonna, Simpson. Was it Deontay Simpson? Yep. First was, touchdown was, was Deontay it? Simpson because oh, I missed yeah. it. That's right, it was. It was. <laughs> Deontay Simpson, <clears throat> wide open for a touchdown. So that's the first touchdown of the game, which happened in 24 seconds. Uh, it was the first touchdown of Deontay Simpson's career. And it kind of set the tone early. And then the tone was even more apparent when UTEP fumbled the ensuing kickoff. North Texas, North Texas picks it up at the 17-yard line of UTEP and scored on another RPO, this time to Jason Pertle in 17 seconds. Yep. So, I'm sorry, in five seconds. Good Lord. And so you add all that time up, and that's 29 seconds. And in the first 29 seconds of the game, Colin, North Texas led 14-0, to and UTEP had not run a play. <laughs> a nice handicap. Yeah, so so as if, <laughs> as if we didn't 
already expect North Texas to win the game, which again was not a for sure thing. We were entering the game in our post game Twitter breakdown. We were like, you know, it's going to be tough. You know, UTEP's going to play them tough, but that first fumble just ended it pretty much. Like yeah, right off honestly, the, bat. the game was over in the first thirty seconds. I was honestly pretty upset that it was over. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> really, UTEP? You can't even come here and give us like a decent showing here. You're going to have one of your worst games of the entire season because we've talked about before. They have not lost by over 21 points except for Texas Tech. Yep. Like, they're actually giving people games this year. And yet, they come out, fall down 14-0 real quickly. They bounce back, though, in their first actual possession. Go 12 plays, 63 yards in almost six minutes to make it a 14-7 to game. And I'm like, okay, they saved it a little bit there. And then North Texas ends up punting, and then UTEP kind of goes stale again. Three and out, uh, then another punt right after that, and North Texas scores a touchdown and a field goal. And by that point, it was um, it was pretty much over. It was 24-7 to real quickly, and North Texas kept it up. I mean, I have you have to give to North Texas. They got off to a good start. They only punted once in the first half. They scored five touchdowns, one punt, and one field goal. And that adds up to 38 points, and they took a 38-14 to 14 lead, I believe. It was going into halftime. I'm going to double-check that because I don't want to be wrong. Yes, 38-14 to 14 lead going into halftime. Again, I was not, like, the game itself, I tweeted out, like, this is not, despite what the score says, this is not, like, a very, like, entertaining game. Yeah. Like, I felt like things were just so easy for North Texas. And I feel like we know what it looks like when they play a good team, and... For them to be scoring as easily as they were, it was not entertaining because I was like, like I don't enjoy watching the 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 eighth grader run over a bunch of like fifth graders in in a Pop Warner game. Like this, <laughs> it's just not fun to me. Like, give me something competitive here. And so obviously, like, and I don't know if I'd rather have this or if I would rather have last year where they were barely beating UTEP. I probably would rather have this. I would definitely rather have this. That's not a question. But still. It's like, come on, UTEP. Like you, think you have this rep- reputation of making it tough, and UTEP. I, th- I think it was wasn't. it was more upsetting because North Texas hasn't been able to put a team away, and the only team they could put away is UTEP. I think that's what kind of made it seem a little bit less compelling mm-hmm. was the fact that they were blowing out a team that's probably one of the worst teams in the country, if yes. not the worst. Yes. So, except for UMass. Except. <laughs> except for UMass. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Still, UMass should just join Conference USA. And then solidify the conference Honestly, join, as, as the worst conference. Yeah, join the East Division, so that way both divisions have really bad teams at the bottom. And then, hey, why not, man? Did UMass lose this week? I mean, have they won? Oh, my gosh. They lost 63-21 to 21 to Liberty. Can we? Okay, can we just go on a tangent and <laughs> just lost, see who they played? They lost by 21 to Connecticut. And if you know how bad Connecticut yeah, Connecticut's is, really Connecticut's bad. very bad. Like, oh, my gosh, this team is horrible. I Who feel, have they played? I feel so bad, bad for UMass. We shouldn't turn this into a UMass podcast. I just, well, I very just want, briefly. I, I just want to know the team. Lost by 27 to Rutgers, 25 to Southern Illinois, uh, 35 to Charlotte. Whew, that's a lot of points. 34 to Coastal Carolina. Eight. Oh, they beat Akron by eight. Good Lord. Akron's um, like not even a yes. school, though. FIU beat UMass by 44. La Tech beat UMass by 48. <laughs> Connecticut won by 21, and Liberty won by 42. UMass, UMass is the reason why we don't have the worst team in Conference USA. In the country. It's, it's the reason why Conference USA's uh, like rankings 
are just, you know... That sliver higher. ...are staying slightly above average. They can't say they have the worst team in the country in their conference. So and that's a plus. It honestly is. Um, but anyways, yeah, you, North Texas really put the team... Put UTEP away. Uh, it was not a fantastic showing, I wouldn't say. I mean, they went 10 of 16 on third downs. They, they passed for 330 yards, rushed for 144 yards, and then... Um, only averaged 4.1 yards per carry, but they didn't have that big run that, you know, really passed the stats. I'm trying to think about it. Oscar Attaway had four carries for 42 yards. Is that true? Yes. I only saw three carries. Did I miss one of them? Yes. I might have left before one of them. You did. Yeah, he did. Four for 42. Um, Trey Siggers was good as well. Um, but before we get into the analyzation part of it, um, anything else that of the general game that stuck out to you? Whether that's how you were feeling or just... What you saw from I feel like sides. I feel like everyone after that or during that game and after that game everyone realized that this is the second to last time they're going to see Mason, and I feel like it made people. I mean, honestly, people stayed a lot longer than I thought they were going to stay. I mean, the stadium was was kind of packed, mm-hmm. and we'll get into this later. But I feel like it's kind of starting to set in. Like, hey, you get one more chance to see Mason. Fine, that's a really good point. I um and I and I feel like and I feel like when he was scoring all those touchdowns, he put up seven touchdowns. By the way, uh. That that was another thing. Like, hey, like again, this will probably be one of the last times you see that. If the la- if I mean, North Texas quarterback isn't going to do it again, probably. Yeah, so. and uh, I mean, Mason Fine will play here again against UAB, but that's in four weeks, I believe, because they have Vladek, by Rice, then UAB, and it could be the last game of the season. Yes, it could be if they theoretically, if they lose to Rice and Vladek, then they would be f- four and four and eight at that point. Yeah, and that's not right. Four and seven, four and seven, and so they wouldn't oh, be yeah. they wouldn't be vying for a bowl game, anyways. But still, um, there's a lot. I think you bring up a good point that Mason has kind of taken the responsibility, and then UTEP to get into like our analyzation part of the game. UTEP kind of like let him thrive. They were completely intent on stopping the run. They bit at every single RPO, which again is not a play action. So it's more of an option play. Right. So it makes sense to bite on it more than a play action, I guess, because there's actually they're pulling people over to block for the running back and whatnot. But still, they were just the corners were left on islands. It was way too easy for for Mason Fine to throw touchdowns. Um, And you could tell he's gotten a lot more comfortable in the past three weeks, not only by his numbers and not only by what we've talked about on the podcast, his performance. But also the RPOs just are coming a lot easier, and he's making the right reads. I feel like more often than not. That, the, fir- the first touchdown, of Deontay Simpson, I, I liked a lot because Deontay was still had a guy on him, but it was just a perfect throw. Yes. And same with Jason Pirtle, but obviously he was wide open. So I, I completely agree with he's that. He's gotten a lot better at making those that that transition from getting the ball, uh, yeah, doing the handoff and quickly pulling it out and making the throw. Mm-hmm. That transition has gotten become a lot smoother for him than what we saw early in the season. Um, and it obviously helps going against a defense that's not very good in UTEP, but like we said, UTEP is a team that plays hard and they're a sound football team. And I mean, North Texas did end up covering the 23 points spread at 26, but I mean, I don't, I don't think there was ever a point where it was like, damn, this team is like UT, UTSA bad. Like it's kind of just like UTEP is always was always able to hang around, and they had the twelve play drive to start off the game. They were yeah, put some things yeah. together. At least I thought Kyle Locksley at quarterback wasn't bad. I thought they were able to run the ball with Hughes, who popped a couple runs, um, but they just weren't able to do to um, 
consistently put things together to threaten North Texas, especially on defense. And um, they did, I guess UTEP did what they wanted to do in stopping the run. Uh, North Texas averaged, like I said, 4.1 yards per carry, which isn't gaudy by any means. It's not even very good, but they did their job and North Texas kind of just took advantage of it. And it led to a Mason fine career night, seven touchdowns. I mean, everybody at this point knows what he did. I mean, seven touchdowns, 332 yards, 24 of 39 passing, 100, a 192 quarterback rating. This is, I was joking. I said, these next few games and like the Middle Tennessee, Charlotte, UTEP, Rice. Well, yeah, basically those four games are going to be the games where he's going to put up these kind of insane numbers. Yeah. And these are the games where those four games, he's probably going to total 20 touchdowns. I don't remember how much he had against UTSA, three, four, five. I don't remember. But that to Charlotte where he threw five, five or six, five, five, five. five I'm sorry. Uh, five. And then this week where he threw seven, it's like he's probably already at 16, yeah. 15, something like that. But like those are the games that you need as a conference USA quarterback to like bolster your numbers. And Mason Vine hasn't had the easy non-conference schedule to bolster those numbers. So this is kind of his opportunity to do so. And UTEP let him do it. UTEP was standing back there like, all right, we're going to just like play the run here, play Trey Siggers, and let Mason Fine do his thing, and he did it. I don't know what else you can say about him. His composure was great. His energy was great. He made the right reads. Mason Fine, we've talked about in the last for the last three weeks, has been terrific, ha- has looked as good as he's ever looked. He's been making great throws. Um, his completion percentage is in, is in the 60s, mid-60s even. There's not much to there's not too much else to say about him. Yeah. On the field. Yeah. At least. Um like I said, rushing wise, Trey Sigers ended with eighty two yards on twenty two carries. Good game, not great game. three point seven yards. I feel like again UTEP was taking away the run. The offensive line didn't do a great job. I mean, they go to the same damn pulling play every time. <laughs> they pull the tackle and the guard or the tight end and the guard so many times on these on those run plays. Um and a lot of them are RPOs, but they run it so much um, to where it kind of like I see it so much. It kind of like the defense knows it's coming, in right? A sense. Of course. And but it is an RPO still, so they still have to respect it. So it's just interesting to see that kind of chess match go on there. Um, in the in the past game, it was again Michael Lawrence and JD. Uh, Michael Lawrence ended with six receptions for 87 yards. JD had Jalen Darden had six receptions, 60 yards, and three touchdowns. He's having a terrific year. Jalen Darden is. Yeah, he's he's definitely stepped up into the number one receiver role. Yeah, he's been amazing. Um, Jason Pirtle three receptions and a touchdown. Shorter two receptions and a touchdown. Deontay Simpson two receptions and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, and Greg White two receptions. Um, the pass game was pretty standard I feel like because Mason was able to pick his spots and was, didn't have to do too much in any of those mm-hmm. situations I feel like he was obviously made some tough throws but I feel like he didn't have to force as many throws as he usually had to do uh what did you see from from the receivers overall just what what stood out to you from the receivers point of view whether it's the yards after the catch or getting free or getting separation making catches I, I don't I, I mean it's just like you said standard but I do have one thing which is is Jair Shorter at this point filled the role of Rico Bussy no you don't think so? No, not even close. Why not? He's not at that Rico Busty level. When Rico Busty played the first two and a half game, two and a whatever, fourth games of the season, I told everybody I knew, like, that guy's an NFL receiver. Yeah. That guy ran like an NFL player. He caught the ball with NFL 
precision and strength. Like his hand strength looked right. like it had gotten to that level too. Yeah. He's catching the ball over people. He was catching the ball with people on his back. Like he was he was just terrific. Like Rico Bussy, far and away, if this team had Rico Bussy, they wouldn't have lost to Charlotte. And I think the Houston game would have been a lot closer. And I think Cal, they might have won. Like Rico Bussy is a huge deal for this team. I, I know he's a huge That's deal. That's why it's interesting. But, but, I, but I said that because... He's kind of filled the role of what he w- had been doing, which is being the deep threat over the top. You're right about that. You're right about that. You're right about that. Um, but I do think that as far as just sheer amount of uh, receptions go, Rico would have had – Rico would be averaging six or seven a game. And Jair is averaging like two. Yeah. No, no now I get his, that. His receptions are obviously – important because they're touchdowns yeah almost all of them yeah and he's physically getting to that level where he's able to drag people to the end zone yeah not again. necessarily with his hands like you were saying and his catching ability but definitely with his yeah once he gets the ball then he is at that level where he can drag people and he's strong enough to make plays um but yeah no i don't i don't think he's at that level i don't think he's close to that level yet and well, that's I, not I, a, i'm not, I'm not, not saying he's at the level i'm saying did he, has he filled the role production wise or just in in what the team needs and what the team needs. Yeah, that make, it, it makes sense. And it's a good question because you have you have JD who's obviously completely filled and he has eleven touchdowns now in the year. He's a lot. Yeah, I can't confirm. I, I think it was eleven. We heard it in the press box last night. So you have him who's kind of stepped up. I don't think we see that production from from Jalen if Rico's still here. Correct. So Correct. so I feel like he's kind of filled the deep threat role. Obviously, yes. he's not the receiver Rico is, but I feel like he's filled that deep threat role to where defenses no longer just have to play the slant or the out or the screen and they no. can actually have to respect Jair. Yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. And then it's interesting seeing I don't know if Deontay Simpson started, but Deontay Simpson got He did start almost all the because, snaps. Did because he, he he was in the first play. Yeah. I yeah. I saw him go out there first on an, on every possession after the first drive, but I didn't I don't remember the first drive. Yeah. So yeah, Deontay Simpson, we'd been talking about it before. Start Deontay, start Greg White, start Austin Agumakin, anyone yeah. on the opposite side of Jair and Lo and behold, they had really good games. I mean, all those young guys. I, I, we'll get into the young guys later on specifically, but those young receivers are very promising in a way that Rico Bussey and Jalen Guyton were. I agree, and I know that's kind of ambitious to say. I I, I don't I, th- I think because it's kind of like, I think what you're saying ahead. is they have that that I don't want to say it factor, mm-hmm. but it's the 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 they have really high ceiling compared yes. to what they've had in the past. Whereas you got a receiver in and you kind of knew what he was going to be. Whereas these guys, we don't know what they could be. They could be just normal guys or they could end up being a Rico Bussy or Jalen Guyton. The thing is, I mean, these guys are really good recruits. Like they were really high exactly, rated. Exactly. Like, we, we knew these dudes could come in and play. Well, I mean, yeah, Deontay Simpson, true yes, freshman, Jair Shorter, redshirt T-Biles, freshman. Yeah, um, exactly. Like you go down the list, Damon Ward. Um, you, do you have JD coming back? Yeah, JD coming I mean, back next year. I mean, you go down the list. I mean, shoot, I mean, Rico Bussey may be even back next year. Who knows? But you go down the list of receivers that can make plays on this team, and you start to get excited. I saw a lot of people excited on Twitter just, like, about the future because Jair Shorter being a retro freshman, I mean, Greg White and all these other dudes haven't even – this is their first year actually playing. Right. Like, actual And in a new system. In a new system. Bodie Reader, we assume, will be here for a few more years at least, and – I think that's the most exciting thing about this offense, isn't it? Or or is it Trey Siggers? It's like what's no, more exciting? I mean, Trey Siggers or this receiver? I feel corpse? like I feel like for every team, the more exciting thing is always the the passing game. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd say the receivers are probably more exciting, but you have to 
Trey Siggers and Oscar Adderley yeah, gonna, will have more of an impact. I was gonna add Oscar. Well, they'll have more of an impact. Like which is down. more? Yeah, which yeah. is more? Uh, I mean, and that's and that's for every level of football. I mean, in the NFL, if you don't have a run game, you don't have a team really, unless you mm-hmm. yeah, are I mean, Tom Brady. Exactly. So <laughs> and even he, I mean, yeah, that's running backs. Um, but I do think that's an interesting conversation to see because there's a lot of questions about the offensive line. There's a lot of questions about the quarterback, but the running back and receivers seem seem loaded right and, and again that, that talks that, that comes back to our, our talking point last week where we said they didn't have a foundation built again they have the skill players for the future but they don't have that foundation for the future which is again what they've they're missing which so we'll have to see how that that plays out it's gonna be a really interesting interesting recruiting period to see how they address it um because they only have 17 commits for the 2020 class which we talked about um and just in a general aspect i'm i'm interested to see uh where they go with junior college commits and and um, high school commits, it's like it's an interesting dynamic to see yeah. how they play it out. Because we've talked about before on this podcast how much like fans are like googly eyed over JUCO JUCO guys now and graduate transfers now. I, I think it's funny because we will see how they address that. I think it's funny because JUCO guys are in junior college for a reason. It's not like every JUCO guy you get turns yes. into an EJG. So I, I, th- I just think it's ironic. Yeah, um, I mean, you think about the Juco guys that they added or the transfers they added this year. Dominic Harrison got his first like actual snaps last, last night. Last, yeah. Last night. Um, David Sow. I don't know if y'all remember him. He ended up not even joining the team. Uh, he was a defensive end. Like there's, 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 it's a hit or miss thing. So yeah, we'll see how they address it. We'll see if they can hit on more of those moving forward. Let's go to the defense. Um, I'm sorry. Can we, there's one more thing on the offense. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so for the line, so I asked you this last night. Do we think Alex Woodworth is better at left tackle than DeAndre Planton? Um, and I ask that because I, I I have not looked at the stats on this. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm asking you. But Mason just seems so much more protected back there. Well, the thing is, he's played, what, the last two games, right? He played three. He's played the last he's three played games. Last Middle, three. Charlotte, and UTEP now. He hasn't gone against the same level of competition. Right, so but, but we were still talking about how thing. bad the line was in conference play. Yeah, but what games... What, no, because before middle, it was Southern Miss and UTSA were the only two conference games that we saw him in. <laughs> Obviously, against Southern Miss, it was a problem. It was a huge problem. Yeah. Middle Tennessee was a lot... The offensive line was less of a problem. It's like it's slowly becoming less of a problem. So I can understand where that perception comes from. I just don't... I just don't think that... Okay, do you a, think it's negligible who's at left tackle at this point? Like, yeah, I think Alex Woolworth and Plan are on the same level. Okay, just as far as blocker goes, I feel like um, Alex, despite him being a guard, I feel like he's just as quick as kind of Plan. I feel like he has good footwork and he's um, not an overly like you know massive guy. Like he can move still yeah. despite being a guard. And then Thomas Preston sliding him 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 in, he still has experience. He's yeah, a he's played there before. And yeah, so. he's so he's fine. I don't have a concern with him. Um, but anyways, uh, on defense, Tyreek Davis led the team in tackles with eight. It was a game I thought dominated by the defensive line. I thought the defensive line had their best game mm-hmm. since UTSA. Probably, yeah. I mean, they haven't really had any other. I mean, yeah. I mean, other games than that. I mean, Abilene Christian was good. Uh, SMU wasn't great either. But um, Tyreek Davis led the team in tackles. Dion Noville had seven tackles, and we've talked about how good he's been. He might be the best player on this defense at this point. Is that true? I'm sorry. Is Dion Noville the best player on this defense? That's so hard to say. It is hard to say. But anyways, I like throwing it out there for y'all. 
he had 1.5 tackles for loss and a and a sack. Um, the team as a whole, Ladarius Hamilton. Hold on, Ladarius Hamilton has had his best game of the season. Yeah. Oh yeah, by, by far. I by don't far. remember. He had how many sacks? Two, Two sacks, three tackles for loss. Um, on four tackles total. The team as a whole had six tackles for loss and four sacks. I mean, the defense line I think dominated this game, which was kind of surprising to me because I expected UTEP to have guys that could compete with them, but they kept going in two tight end formations, and it was a, uh, it was something that I I didn't expect to work as well as it did as far as the pass rush goes. Because again, they still dropped people into coverage. North Texas did, but they were still but they were able to get that pressure just by bringing one or two extra guys. So they only had four or five guys coming and it worked. It worked. Deion Noville was great. Uh, Ladarius Hamilton was great. After Fro had a sack, um, we knew uh, Tulao uh, Safi uh, ha- ha- was not going to play, and a lot of guys stepped up. Do you, do you, would, it, would it be fair to say that Deion Noville is it Noville or Noble? I don't know. I say Noville just for emphasis. I think Deion okay. Noble. I'm gonna say Deion Noble. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it's fair to say he's the most impactful player, but Ladarius is the most talented player? Yes. Tyreek Davis is also impact, more impactful than Ladarius. Yeah, I, I, it's, isn't that terrible? Weird to say because coming into the season, we thought that Ladarius would be the most impactful, and I still think Cam Johnson's the best DB on this team. I th- I feel like that's hard to say still. It is hard to say still, but I I if I had to give it to someone, I'd give it to him. Still. I feel like I feel like it's more uh, more of a factor of they don't really have to throw to his side because mm-hmm. they can just go kind of go through the middle. Yeah. So no, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um. The DBs, like I said, a lot. They still played a ton of zone, and we said, or we saw entering the week that Refit was basically like, "Yeah, we don't go man anymore." Yeah, and we so, saw some actual pass breakups. Yes, we did. We saw some good zone. I I saw some man early in the game. Uh, there there wasn't too much else to take away from this defense because, like we said, UTEP got off to such a bad start, and they were just they ran the ball a lot. Kyle Oxley was fine. I thought Kyle Oxley was not bad, the quarterback for UTEP, um, but. At the end of the day, 17 to 29 for 100, 119 yards just is not good. So there's not too much else to talk about on that end. Anything else as far as analysis go? Anything that stuck out to you as like a a talking point? Uh, Oscar Attaway. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into Okay. Do you want to go young players or, or. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. What was the other option? No, let's go young players. You're right. Let's talk okay. about young players. Young players. Okay. Let's let's go with the ones that that first made the the biggest impact of last All right, game. so I I have a list of young players who played. I wrote this out just before we started. Okay, and so I might be missing one or two. I'll let you know if I think of any. But I think I have most of them. Here's a first or second year player. So retro freshmen, true sophomores. I don't know. Oh, I missed one actually. I already here. I'll say it. Alex Morris played at safety a good amount when Taylor Robinson Mikhail went down. Sanders played safety. Mikhail Sanders, Keelan Crosby. Also played, that's, yeah. also played. Yep. So let me get through the list, Colin, before you cut me off, please. Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. Um, Alex Morris, Keelan Crosby, uh, Larry Nixon, J- uh, Jackson Gibbs, Kevin Wood, Deontay Simpson, Jair Shorter, Austin Agumikin, Jason Bean, Oscar Attaway. Deshaun Gaddy? We keep playing on special teams. Okay. I I, well, I didn't know because you said Bean. So. Bean played. I mean, Bean played quarterback for five plays. And he had a run. He had a run. So, okay. so yeah, those are basically the guys. I mean, Gaddy did play, yes, obviously, and he's been a great special teams player his whole time here, and I wish he would have gotten some snaps at cornerback because, like, why not? 
Cam Johnson played the entire game. I don't know why. But, yeah, so when I name off those guys, how many guys is that? Nixon, Gibbs, Wood, uh, Simpson, Shorter, Goodmakin, Bean, Attaway, Crosby, and and uh, uh, Morris. That's 10. That's crazy. That's a lot. That is a lot of names. Now, what players stuck out to you the most? Yes, Obviously, man. Deontay Simpson. Of course. Two receptions, two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, the second touchdown was completely wide open. Yes. So, and it was late in the game. Yeah, that was, I think it was the last touchdown, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was. Yes, it was. Sure it was. Um, Oscar Attaway, that was imp- I, I'm just so glad he came out there because I've been wanting him to play. So I hope to see more of him because uh, Torrey is... He's in a boot. I don't really know the extent of his injury. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, me neither. Knew. And Lauren Easley didn't get many. I don't even remember Lauren Easley on the field. He was on. Uh, let me check. Lauren Easley did not get a carry. Yeah, and then Nick Smith played a little bit, Nick but Smith he wasn't that great. Well. So I'd like to see maybe Oscar behind Trey. I mean, I mean, why not? So. Uh, I mean, yes, I I would rather play him. Well, especially at this point. So this is one game. Right, right. So, and we have three games, le- well, three games left, and potentially a bowl game. Yeah, I'd maybe if, so if, if they go this if they go the route where hey we're gonna play Oscar every remaining game, and not the bowl game, or you know pick if they had to pick a game, I, I would guess. not I would not play him against the UAB and then play him in the bowl game. Yeah, that's what I would do too. So like play him these next three. Well, Louisiana Tech, I might not play him against. Actually, I take that back. If you if La Tech is a close game, I'm not playing him at all. I'd rather play Nick Smith. Um, and that's not because Nick Smith is like significantly better, but then you can save him and play those last three, last yeah. three games for, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, those two, I think, no, Jackson Gibbs, Jackson Gibbs was impressive. Was terrific. Didn't he have an interception? Oh, he almost had, he almost was, had a pick. He? he almost, yeah, he almost had a pick. Um, Jackson Gibbs was everywhere. I thought he was terrific at the nickel position and we saw, um, him get a ton of snaps. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember when he came in exactly, but he got a. He it was whenever I asked you because I had asked you. Yeah, thirty-one, at nickel, and yeah, it was definitely Jackson Gibbs. Uh, Kevin Wood played a lot of games as uh, played a lot of plays, and he's played in a lot of games at mm-hmm. this point. Um, Jair Shorter obviously had his touchdown. Agumakin had his reception. Bean had a, had a nice run. Attaway had four four carries for forty-two yards. Keelan Crosby played a good amount of safety as well, which was interesting. Again, that's another player that I'm pretty sure he's a retro freshman already. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Or no, he, I have here. Let me look it up real quick. Oh, he's just a true sophomore. So I I don't know if he plays special teams or what. But yeah, he's a he's another guy that is interesting. Uh, and Larry Nixon, we've seen him a lot already at linebacker, retro freshman. So those are the young players who kind of played, and that was the first game that you had like ten guys legitimately play. Yeah, it was cool to see. And of course, when you count Deshaun Gaddy, who we've talked about before is a legitimate player. Yeah. He played special teams. Then I feel like you have to, I feel like the only reason why I mentioned you should, I feel like he should be on your list just because I feel like if you get rid of, like, I feel like he's not a step down from no three through six. No, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't really know where he's on the depth chart, but Oh no, no. Yeah. But I, but I feel like you could, I mean, Dominic Harrison, Deshaun Gaddy, like, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. (laughs) Um, okay. Colin, let's get into the thing that kind of saved the game. In my opinion, Absolutely. The post-game press conference. I was there doing my job. <laughs> I was looking at Seth Luttrell, who was long-winded as ever. He was just 
rambling, rambling, rambling. And I don't say that as a negative because I want I want Latrell to ra- to to ramble. But he was rambling to the point where like we got to like twelve minutes and I was like, Oh my god, is this guy gonna like go for like thirty minutes today? Like what was happening? And so then they end that press conference. He gets up, he starts walking out, and I noticed there were like a lot of people in the room. I was like, Why are there twenty people in here? After a UTEP win. Like, I know it's homecoming and stuff, so, like, okay, maybe well, that like makes sense. UTEP win. Yeah, and I've seen, like, Ren Baker in the press conference and his friends before. I was like, okay, cool, that that's fine. But there were, like, 20 people in there, and, and then Seth starts laughing, and he's like, oh, man, I got I to gotta stay for this. And I was like... That was a good impression. I know, I know. <laughs> I tried not to go overboard with it, but just give him a little subtle... Give a little twang. Subtle a trail. Um, it's like, oh, man, I got to stay for this. And so he, like, goes to the side. I'm like, what is happening? And then... Dion Noville walks in, and then Jalen Darden walks in, and then Mason Fine walks in, and it was <laughs> Mason Fine was in a dinosaur costume. Colin, for everyone listening to this, already knows the story, like that he was in a dinosaur costume. Yeah. But how weird it was in the moment when I first saw it, I don't know if I can describe it. Like I've never seen anything like that. And obviously, I'm only like 21 years old, so I haven't seen a lot of stuff. But that caught me so off guard. I could not stop laughing the entire press conference. I asked three <laughs> questions, four, three or four questions, uh, two to Mason, one to Jalen, one to uh, Dion. <clears throat> and Mason talking <laughs> over the buzz on his, I don't know if y'all heard it, but there was a buzz <laughs> on his. Is that what that was? Yes. On the side of his uh, costume to obviously inflate the thing. <laughs> And no, that's what that it was, was just so awkward. I was like, is this actually happening? Like Mason finds... And it's Mason. It's not even... Because he's not really an outspoken guy. No. So that that, that continues. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But he answered every question the same exact way that he answers every question. Very, um, very calm, very precise, and very... Not, not with too much energy or emphasis. I mean, obviously, he has energy at times, and he's very expressive in moments... But he was just kind of a normal Mason, Mason Fine. And it just caught me so off guard. I was laughing the whole time. I like kept turning away. I was like, what is what is going on? Like, what am I looking at? And he turned and in the T-Rex costume, gave a fist bump to Jalen Darden. And <laughs> Did you lose it? I was just like, <laughs> what is what is happening? What is going on? And so the press conference ends. And also, Mason Fine probably got the most questions I've ever seen in my life because he threw seven touchdowns that game as well. Like, he's not doing this after, like, a two-touchdown, 150-yard game. He's doing this after he threw for seven touchdowns. And so there were already going to be questions going his way. And then he shows up in a T-Rex costume, and you're like, what is going on? And so he answers the question. We leave. I see him get out of here. He says, man, it's hot in here. He gets out of here. I just – he carries the thing back to the locker room. And I'm like (laughs) – Oh my God, Mason! What are you doing? <laughs> and so I told him, "Congrats!" I said, "Congrats, Mace," because you know, coach calls him Mace. People call Mace. him Mace. Mace, yeah. For that's those of y'all who don't know, that's an interesting nickname, Mace. I don't like it. Well, it's just Mason shortened. I I understand that it's Mason shortened. <laughs> I just think of Bear Mace. Okay, well, I mean, it's not that's not a bad nickname. But anyways, I, I said, way I said, "Congrats, Mace," and so he said, "Thanks," and then. Yeah, that was that was that, and I left, and I wrote my cider, and it was terrific. It was, uh, and then it went viral, and it went absolutely viral. And I kept saying to myself, 
this absolutely saved this game from being a dud and this saved this saved the the memory of this game on homecoming would have been significantly less fun if Mason Fine wouldn't have done that. Because, yeah, the story would have been Mason Fine threw for seven touchdowns. But instead, it's Mason Fine threw for seven touchdowns and then showed up in a dinosaur costume and went viral. <laughs> and that just makes that makes this so much more fun. And I think he knew, like, after the game, it was like, damn, we beat UTEP. I threw seven touchdowns and nobody cares. But then it wasn't really about him because I feel like I heard from somebody that he talked about it before and everyone was like, oh, no, nah, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. And he's like, oh, yeah? And then he put the damn thing on, <laughs> and, and then he went and did it. And we're, everyone was like, oh, well, okay. So it was just kind of luck of the draw for throwing the seven touchdowns and it being on homecoming. Exactly. Well, if they would have lost, then he wouldn't have done it, obviously. Well, obviously. But yes. Imagine yes. imagine if he did that. <laughs> no, I That would have been a mess. That. But anyways, uh, yeah, so that was that was the most fun part. And then our Twitter, we kind of, we take, okay, we take pride in being young but also like delivering you like the news. And so there's a fine line, right? So we don't go overboard with the Mingreen 24-7 Twitter or anything like that. We deliver you the news, deliver you the updates you need, try to be timely, try to be fast, try to promote our stories for you to read. But even when Alvin Kenworthy got a hit late in the game, uh, made a tackle, and I was like, dude, this game is so boring, I have to tweet something funny. (laughs) And so I tweeted out, Alvin Kenworthy bring or puncher brings the paint or something like that. Yeah. And I said hashtag mullet power. And then I tagged Pat Mc- <laughs> McAfee. And basically, like that's that tells you all you need to know about where the game was and that he kind of just saved the game when he showed up like that. And so I asked Colin a question. I said, Well, also I saw it on Twitter. Well, I saw on Twitter Yeah, I, I saw sarcastically the same someone say this is Mason Fine's Heisman moment. And then I asked Colin, like was this the biggest Heisman moment of Basin Fine's season? It's it's terrible that you have to say that because although it's the question's funny and this is all an uplifting story, when you say it that way, ESPN, for example, had a graphic of, of Mason in his thing on their Twitter and it said North Texas QB Oh yeah, the video. Yeah, they had a video. Yeah, comes out oh, video comes out with dinosaur costume. They didn't mention the seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They didn't mention his name. Yeah. They mentioned North Texas QB comes out in Tyrannosaurus Rex or T-Rex costume. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that is what he is now known for. He's no longer... He, he's he, His introduction to the world on a national stage is he's the QB that wore a T-Rex costume. Yeah. Kind of in a way, um, just as far as like individual stuff goes, because obviously they had last year a lot of success nationally you know with like the kick return and with right right but no one no one knew mason's name exactly but um i'm still interested to see uh because it's funny barry mason fine entering the season had the six for heisman campaign he was supposed to do this and that but it was all contingent upon the team success and the team success is not there and so him personally to throw for seven touchdowns it kind of the dinosaur suit okay without a doubt this was his heisman like game but i think that the dinosaur costume was even more of a heisman moment than his seven touchdowns which is crazy right well yeah because it it got him the recognition exactly but it got him the recognition it's recognizing the wrong thing well because we we know he's not gonna win the heisman right and and i don't think anyone obviously does of course but when you ask the question it's 
is this when you the Heisman moment, quote unquote, is all about perception in exactly. the end. Like it's it's how you perceive it's, somebody. It's Desmond. Doing, exactly. doing the actual Heisman pose. It's it's stuff along those lines. Exactly. And and for Mason's Heisman moment to be not throwing seven touchdowns, but being in a T Rex costume. Exactly. It's it's more of it's it's almost like a like a comedic uh what is it? Uh comedic tragedy almost where it's kind of how the season's gone. Exactly. <laughs> um I'm not sure if uh I'm not sure if I I don't know if I'm upset at it at the end of the day. I mean, Mason Fine has evolved from a quiet guy that is uh, that was very shy, not very outspoken. He obviously gave good answers, but he was like the prototypical quarterback that was just going to give the media the answers that the coach said. So he was the coach speak type athlete more than anybody else I've ever interviewed. Like, not even close. Like, he was the guy who was going to say exactly what the coach said. And to go from that in your first two years to last year, you know, it was okay. Like, he would give a little bit more. But this year, it started off, he was giving us complete defensive, like, schemes. Like, he told us how they were going to come out in schemes. Like, cover, like nothing crazy. Like, he said they were going to be in an f- even front with cover four as the main option. Stuff like that. So, I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then... Last week, where he goes in the press conference where he says, no, I'm pretty frustrated. I'm not going to lie to y'all, and I'm not going out like this. I'm going to go out swinging. That was another step forward. And then, to do this, it's kind of just shown the evolution of Mason Fine from a personal standpoint and how much he's grown up over the past four years. Like, how much more... Like, everybody grows up in college, but to be the starting quarterback all four years... Yeah. It's a different type of growing up. Because it's a growing up with everybody on the campus knowing your name and it's growing up with everybody knowing what type of person you are at all. I mean, at, at a certain level, I guess like Mason fine always was the quiet guy. He was the undersized quiet guy that just did everything, put his head down, went to work, did everything right. That's what everybody perceived him as last year. It was kind of changed a little bit. He went, became a little bit more outspoken. Now this year he's having a ton of fun and it's great to see I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his success. I'm happy that he's been able to um, have a terrific year. In I mean, some somewhat in spite of his uh, teammates, but still, whether his team performs or not, I think that he still has grown up so much as a person, and he's grown as a leader. He's always been a great leader, but this year specifically, he's just really come into his own, and I'm happy to see it. So that was my kind of psychoanalysis of Mason Fine. Okay, so is there, are you are you happy with the T Rex being his Heisman moment or not? Yes, because it kind of so that moment again it encapsulates his growth as a person, right? Which and, is which of course is good, but in the grand scheme of things, no, it completely matters more than anything on the football field because he's not he was never going to win Heisman. I I'm sorry, he everyone knew he wasn't going to win the Heisman. No, 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 people did not know he was okay. Not win okay. The you and I knew that he wasn't going to win the Heisman. Okay. The point of the Heisman campaign was to put him on the map. Yes. So he could get drafted. Yes. And have more recognition. I feel like everything that he's done on the football field for that goal has been now pushed back, and now he's known as the T-Rex quarterback. That is my argument. Okay, but when has a player having a persona or a player having, obviously to a, to a limit, obviously, but when has a player who's shown to be a terrific 
leader who's shown to be a terrific teammate who has said all the right things his entire career as a four-year starting quarterback when is a player having fun with his teammates who obviously enjoyed it right next to him how does that hurt him i don't think it hurts him i just think i'm and i'm not i'm not, I'm not saying because he, more than anything scouts will ask what kind of person people right, are. right no i completely agree with that but i'm saying for people to get interested in, in like in any in any way well, a seven touchdown performance over UTEP was never going to get those people. I, I of course not. So that's why I don't have a problem with it. I don't have. I, I, mean, but I don't. I'm, but I'm no, no. I, I know you don't have a problem with it. I'm saying that even if people know him now as the T Rex quarterback, <laughs> which they won't, but theoretically, even if they do, that he will be his first. Per, their first perception of him will be that guy will have fun. That guy is a team quarterback or maybe he lost a bet or maybe you know he is the team player in that sense and it's he's just trying to entertain people and he's not this type of guy because when you go back and then you look they look at him and they see he's never on twitter they see that he's um uh, a faith-oriented guy i don't know stuff like that and then they see his stats it kind of all comes together in a sense that's like all right this guy has been at it for a long time he's thrown for X amount of yards. He's going to be top 25 all time in yards by the time he graduates. They eventually get into him more because the seven touchdowns against UTEP are irrelevant if he doesn't do this. I agree. Is that fair? No, I completely agree with that. I'm just saying it just, it sucks that, that he couldn't have had his quote unquote highs moment against Cal or against SMU. This team's against, not good enough. Well, I, we know that obviously. Yes, but it's it sucks. But we know this. We know it. No, no, know I, it. I I know. But it just when you look at it in hindsight, with everything that's kind of conspired throughout this season, obviously, yes, now it's a feel good moment. It's cool. It's funny. Yes, it gets some recognition. I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just saying, I wish you would have been recognized earlier. I mean, you know what I'm saying. When you go to UNT, when you go to a mid major school, years there's a likelihood that your team is going to struggle at times against big schools, and so. Even if he does throw for seven touchdowns against Cal, I think him doing this would have gotten more gets more recognition. I disagree with that completely. I think I think it does. I think seven touchdowns against you think a power he goes, five you school. Think he goes on. He gets on ESPN for seven touchdowns against Cal. You think does does he get on ESPN? Yes. Power five school. Right. North Texas beats power five school. First of all, that in one sentence is is crazy enough itself. Even though no, obviously is. yes, the Arkansas performance we saw, but what from the Arkansas performance last year? is most memorable and what got on ESPN? It was the, the kickoff return. return. Obviously, but you throw for seven touchdowns. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I think that in this day and age we live in with where public perception is so shortened and it's so niche, I guess. To I know where, what you're saying, yeah. To where people grab onto things that show a person's personality and they kind of like, all right, that is who that guy is. You know, Antonio Brown filming him getting released <laughs> and running outside. All right, that's who that guy is. Like people just put one and one together immediately. Right. So Mason Fine now as T-Rex guy, whether he did that against UTEP after he threw for seven inter- seven touchdowns against Cal or Houston or whatever, I still think that that is who Mason Fine is from a public perception. Like he's a fun guy, he's a quarterback that is willing to have fun and enjoy the time with his teammates I mean as a senior and so I think that that is going to be the one-to-one comparison that people draw and that's the connection people make now obviously like I said when you make that connection I think that it's easier for people to go back and see like oh Mason Fine 
who's that? Like, let's go look at his stats or something like that. Or when they see him on a draft board, it's like, oh, Mason Fine, didn't he dress up as a T-Rex? Now, also, I don't think people know that that was Mason Fine. I think they, they just saw right, and that, that I was, think they that, just saw Well, that a, was another, that was another thing I said. Like no that, one, exactly. People didn't say his name. They said North Texas QB. Exactly. And again, that plays into this whole thing. Yes, any recognition is good recognition. It just sucks that it came with North Texas QB dresses up as T-Rex without most of them having his touchdowns or yeah, but that's, having that, his name. That's just, that's Twitter. I don't know how much more we can. Right. But, the, but that, but that's, that. that's the side we live in. That's how people consume stuff. And if, it, if no one's going to purposely go, Oh, what's his name? I mean, a majority of people aren't going to go, what's his name? No, They're, for sure. I don't. So, I, so that, that's, that's my point. I'm not saying that it's a negative thing. Of course mm-hmm. it's a positive thing. I mean, he gets recognized anyways, yeah. but it's, I just wish Mason deserves more is what, is what I guess what my agreement is. Like I, I, I he just, well, if this team had only lost to Houston and Southern Miss and was six and two or seven and two at this point, I, I mean that would have gotten the same amount of traction. But then we'd be talking about his year more so. But his team is struggling. His team might not make a bowl game. He's having a great year, but in in the grand scheme of things, if he throws for thirty five touchdowns and seven interceptions, it's a great year, and it's he's the best quarterback in North Texas history but that doesn't stand up for much in a national perspective. The national of perspective course, of course. is going to be the dinosaur. I'm just saying that it fun. sucks that nothing this year has gone right for him, and he's just kind of... I mean, he's freelancing, basically, by himself. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> I think that Jalen Darden and, and Dion should have came out in something, just put, throw, giving them a match. Yeah, I mean... That would have been hilarious. Yeah, that, that would have been funny. No, Like I said, my point is not mm. that this team... I'm not saying that this team isn't bad or this team could have done... Or this team is is great or that this team could have done great things. It's just that in his senior year has this is no, I understand. I understand what you're saying. It is, it is, it is sad to, to say that I, I suppose because if he put up absurd numbers and they were winning, then obviously he'd be on a lot more people's name radar and, and a group of five quarterback radar as well. But things don't go right. And Mason fine shows up to a post game in a dinosaur costume. I'm, I I am <laughs> I can't do anything but laugh. That dude is the dude has grown up so much and I think that it just shows his growth as so a person. Weird. And I, I remember just, when I he was like the hundred and sixty pound <laughs> I just love that. I love it so much because Mason Fine he's gonna be a legend and it only adds to his legend to show up in, in a costume. So all right. Um something or nothing time. Or do you want to answer the question we have first? We have one question. We can do the question. Okay. Preston Hodge. Let me read your question because I only have your name written down. Preston Hodge asked, I think I screenshot it. No, I didn't. Here it is. All right. He says, I'm talking myself into us beating UAB. Should I? Also, is going six and six, but winning a bowl game more of a step forward than for a program, for this program, than going nine and three and losing a bowl game? So first part, I guess, talking, talking yourself into beating UAB it's still a month away, and I don't know how this team is going to be playing after the Rice game, and yeah. I don't know if this game will even matter. Right. It could like not matter, which would suck. But UAB, hmm, like th- those teams are on a similar level. So, I mean, yeah, you can talk yourself into beating them. It is, uh, it is at home, too, so there'll be some fire. Who knows? I've, 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 I will, I've, we'll look into it more. I've, I've kind of, I kind of, I don't think... It, Fans, I guess, shouldn't be looking at any type of game like, oh, I hope we should win this game. Like for exactly. conference championship, whatever. Or, well, they look for a bowl. Right, or a bowl or whatever. I think you just need to take it one game at a time and just enjoy it while you have it. Because because 
after the Charlotte loss, we all the writing's on the wall. Don't 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 talk yourself into what if what if what if. Just enjoy Mason while you have him. Enjoy the team while you have him, and enjoy the good times because you're not gonna have. I mean, I'm not saying the team's gonna be awful next year, but I'm yeah. saying Mason has one more home game. Don't get worked up about something that possibly probably or possibly won't happen. Yeah, in a conference and bowl game. So again, one game at a time. Mason threw for seven touchdowns. Came out in T Rex costume. We all enjoyed it. Exactly. Next week. Uh, we kind of talked about it after the Charlotte loss that it kind of solidified what this team was. So now we can kind of just enjoy exactly. The team. Yeah. And I feel like that's what this game. It, it's it's was. kind of relief. It relieved us of kind of be, yeah, and, old, yeah, and kind of being on the fence of, you know, will this team get the conference championship? Will this team not get it? Oh, they have to win this week. Oh, they have to win this week. This is a must-win game. Now it's just kind of team is what it is. Mason's great. Yeah, enjoy Let's watch it. Him. And I think that that was. Surprisingly, I think that that was kind of the thought process of a lot of people, and so I want to cover that when we get to attendance. But I'm going to save that. Uh, so he also said. So the second part of his question was: Is going six and six and winning a bowl game more of a step forward than going nine and three and losing a bowl game? I think it's a. Mm, yes. Why? I would say it's a step forward because one, they haven't won a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, their record isn't as great, but their schedule's harder. It's kind of like I guess tomato tomato like, yeah. It's it's an either it's an either or it's it's almost like this is kind of what you've kind of fallen back to. Yeah. I mean, coming into the season, if you were to have said, "Hey, if they go six and six and win a bowl game, is that a step back?" You would have, one hundred percent said yes. Yeah. So I think it's just at this point, this is where we are. Well, let's hope they get the bowl. Let's hope they don't play a Utah State, and let's hope they win. No, you're right. You're right. The perspective has completely changed uh, with this team. <laughs> And so it's kind of easy to say at this point that, you know, going six and six and then winning the bowl game would be a step forward for this program, more so than going nine and three without a without a win. I still don't think it would be as much of a step forward because I think having on your resume three straight nine win seasons. I think the question it, I don't think it's like is it a big step forward, but is it a step forward at all? No, because you're comparing seven and six to nine and four. You know, with a bowl win and without a bowl win. I guess it depends on who the bowl opponent is, in my opinion. I think that going winning nine wins regardless is is the bigger deal. Even think, if the competition is so. just far and above, I think so. below what the bowl opponent would be. I, I think so. Like if I, they if they if they get like a, I'm trying to think like a like a Troy level opponent and they somehow pull out a win, is that a step forward or step back? No, no, it's not a step back. We're just comparing. We're comparing two things. We're not saying whether it's a step forward now. We're saying they're both step forwards in a sense because. Oh, okay. One, I was I was saying I was saying in one area you're winning a bowl game. Obviously not as good of a season. You go seven and six overall, and in the other hand, you go nine and three, and then you lose a bowl game. I'm saying I would take the nine wins, um, for a few reasons. Uh, it would mean that you either won your conference, you were competitive in conference, or you had a good non-conference. Yeah. Um, which I think carries a lot of weight. Now, obviously, the bowl win is the shiny trophy you get at the end of the season or conference title, but you didn't get those. So if you go nine and uh, nine and three and and lose the bowl game I think you still have a resume and you still have a way of remembering this team pretty easily it's that Latrell and fine had three straight nine win seasons and I think that is huge because then you could go all right that team ended up winning 30 like though that duo won 32 games yeah in four years okay that's no, pretty, I, that's I, pretty I understand substantial. That. so I would say that is better as far as uh I don't remember what the, exactly the question was um, uh, more of a step forward. I think that's more of a step forward than going 
six and six and winning a bowl game. But regardless I of opponent, yes. But I don't want to discount winning a bowl game because if this team pulls out a three and one stretch to close out the season and wins a bowl game, so that means they will have gone four and one after the loss to Charlotte. Now, obviously, you're you're that's a general question that Preston asked. And we're going to focus it down to what this team is actually in. So if this team goes 4-1 and one after losing to Charlotte, which would include a bowl win, I'm not going to complain. No. 7-6? and six, see, Like, okay, cool. See, I, they I saved guess, the season. I guess, I guess maybe we, we, I look at it different, and I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if this is because you came a year later than I did, but all the talk was my freshman year is, oh, we're going to get a bowl like we did in 2013, and we're going to win a bowl game. And that's kind of never mm-hmm. conspired. I feel like fans have always been... More so than a conference championship, even, and I could be completely wrong on this, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, we're going to go to a bowl and we're going to win it. Where they, instead of going to a bowl and thinking of that 2013 team that everyone thinks so highly of, yes. and rightfully so, it's kind of always been elusive. They made it to three straight bowls. They've lost every single bowl game. And I feel like if they got a bowl win, it almost kind of be like they can close the book. I feel like that they went nine and three and they didn't get a bowl game and they didn't win a bowl game. Then it would kind of leave the book open. It kind of would you would have thought like what could have been. Whereas if Mason wins a bowl game, it's kind of like he left on top in a sense. Yes, you are correct. So I guess I I think of it that way more. So I think than in the, the immediate, the immediate reaction would be a lot more positive if they won the bowl game, right? Yeah. So like I said, if they go four and one and they win their bowl game, you go seven and six on the season. That that's that's gonna be. People are going to come away for the following month after the season and be like, damn, you know what? That, that was pretty good. That was not bad. And then you, fans fans would start saying this. They'd start saying, man, they went 7-6 and six and they didn't have a defense and they, they didn't have an offensive right. line. Right, you're and, talking your way into yeah, your team ta- being better than it was. Yes, and so you're like, damn, they didn't have this, this, and this, and now they have Kevin Wood, you know, this Sean Gaddy coming in and all this stuff. Because then it gives you a sense of hope more so. Whereas if you go 9-4... and four, Whereas if you go nine and four with a bowl loss, it's like, damn, we are never going to win a bowl game, and we lose this Mason. was this was as good as it's gonna get, right? Exactly. So your next step would be going to an eight and five season, or you know, a seven and six season, and maybe you do win a bowl game or just something. I don't know, but you don't achieve that win total, so it just ch- changes the perspective. I think, obviously, entering the season, like you said, if you if the if we would have told each other that they were going seven and six with a bowl win, we'd have been like, "That's not a good season at all." And I still don't think it's a good season at all. No matter how the season ends up, it's not going to be a productive season. No, absolutely not. Coming in, this this team has way too many high expectations for it to be how it is right now. Even if they go five zero for the next whatever games and they end the season uh, still disappointing, eight, eight and five, still I still don't think it's it's anywhere near a satisfactory season. Um, but you do bring up a great point in that it's going to be remembered a little more fondly of Mason Fine's time there. You can have a picture of Mason Fine holding up a damn trophy. Imagine. Oh, <laughs> you can like frame it. You can make a poster of it. You can get it autographed, all this good stuff. So I do think it's an interesting complex of Mason of, of not just Mason, but the Latrine, the, the Latrell fine era, Latrine. Did I just make up a, a word? Latrine? Latrine. I don't like it. It's like, it sounds like shrine. It's kind of weird. Fatrell. <laughs> But <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, the how people remember it will be very different in the short term and the long term. Yeah, and and I also asked, too, about the opponent because it proves that they can beat a team that's not in Conference USA. Yes, but even if they beat a good opponent this year, you lost to Charlotte. Right, you lost and to Charlotte. And you got your butt kicked by Houston. Right, and right, 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 right. But people always remember the most recent things 
You're right. Of a, of a team. That's what I'm so, saying. The immediate, yeah. The immediate yeah, no, reaction yeah. is going to be very and I, positive. And I, and I, and I don't up think, until like June, like and six I, months. And, and I don't. And positive. I don't think that's just on a local level for just Denton and UNC. I mean, I think that's on a that helps Mason uh, nationally and everything because it, it'd be a televised game. You'd see it. Uh, so I think a lot more goes into it. But anyways, it's interesting. Okay. Let's get into some of our uh, questions. Actually, let's oh, something, something or nothing. nothing. Yes, bringing back something or nothing, fans for who have for those of you who have been with us since a long time ago, day one, day one. We had something or nothing like every week. I know, I but know. I feel like it was just more filler at that time. Yeah. So now, uh, <laughs> now since we don't get questions on Twitter, we're just because also I thought the the question on Twitter was kind of again proved the point that we'd said that. People have kind of just accepted this team for what it is. Yeah. So we're not getting questions anymore because it's kind of like, oh, you know, this team, we know what it is. And so why do we need why Colin you need us and, to tell yeah, us? Yeah, why do you need Colin <laughs> and Bruni to tell you something about the team? Like, we know what it is. We know the defense is bad. We know this and that. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. last week and the week before and the week before that, it was like, guys, what is wrong with this team? And we tried telling you, but now everybody knows. So now it's basketball season. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Colin, something or nothing. I want to start with the attendance because it was announced 22,000 people. Yep. It got a little chuckle in the press box, but I, I don't think it was a bad crowd at all. I was actually pretty impressed with the crowd. I told you that the students were going to show up. I told you, I told you that the students I, I didn't, I didn't believe were going gonna to happen. show up. Yeah. They did show up. Pre- good job, students. And also, there are probably just as many people in the stadium as there were on the tailgate area. And we knew that, that was going to happen because it's homecoming. But still, I honestly count the people in the tailgate area. Almost as much as the people in the stadium. Completely, because they actually showed up. Like, <laughs> hey, man, y'all are going out there having a good time. The team is struggling. They're playing UTEP. I can't guarantee I would go to the game. I, I might just to go the to the game. tailgate, too. I wouldn't have gone to the game. But regardless, like, <laughs> good for y'all out there. Have fun. Um, I was proud of the student turnout. They filled up the entire student section. It looked a lot like it did against, I'm not going to say Houston, but it was more Adelaide than middle. Christian and UTSA. It was more than middle. Oh, yeah. Middle Tennessee was definitely the dip, and now they popped back up. I thought the regular fans were pretty good, too. Uh, they filled up like a third of the wing. That was promising. Uh, obviously, those are the cheapest tickets, but still, like, good job. Uh, the the press box side was pretty filled. I would say there were probably about 18,000 people there. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's good. That's It was great. It's fantastic. It was great. And again, it comes back to uh, this team kind of being what it is, and I feel like everyone's kind of realizing, hey, second to last time we've seen Mason, why not go? And, I agree. And they showed up. UAB's going to be packed. I hope it UAB, happens. I wouldn't. Okay, all they have to do the, is beat the, Rice. This is this is going to be interesting. If they okay, if they if, if they just regardless of of their record, will UAB beat the attendance record? No, you don't think so. No, if okay, if they beat LaTeX and Rice, then maybe yes, but not not if, for Mason's last game. You don't think? I hope it does. I mean, but no, I I think they get twenty four. I which I, is going to be see, crazy. See, that's tough for me. I feel like Mason has a lot bigger. And you know it's going to be promoted to hell. It is, is going. Well, to that's be- that's why I say this. I I would not be surprised if this beats an attendance record. If 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 Mason's last home be. game beats an attendance record, yeah, honestly, I, I mean, hope it does. You have to realize we they lost to Charlotte on basically a hail mary, and they had more people show up to than you. they did against Middle Tennessee. No, I agree. I agree. I think the Mason factor is going to be huge. I think that's going to be promoted to to like crazy. The graphics are going to be all M- Mason fine. Like. Six, six's last game in yeah. Apogee. Like, oh man! All of this stuff. Like I might up. start crying. I'm tear up. Yeah, <laughs> damn. Like, like it's gonna be crazy. I just yeah. the the stories are gonna 
write themselves basically. Like yeah. Mason Fine, it's going to be his last game there in a month. Yeah. It's insane to think about. Right after he passes Drew Brees and Russell Wilson for passing, passing yards. Like, he's like, going to be top like, 25 of all it's, time. It's, it's, it's starting to become full circle, not only for Mason, but for fans, us, the media. I mean, I came here, Mason's, Mason Latrell's first year. You could call this the fine Latrell Bruni era if you wanted to. All right? I'm, now, I'm not arrogant. no one wants to. Now, I'm not no arrogant like to. that, and I'm not going to insert myself in there. But still, I got here 2016. Latrell Fine gets here 2016. Coincidence? Is it I a think coincidence? Not. I'm not going to. I'm going to leave that for y'all to decide. But regardless, <laughs> it's again, it's come full circle. Mason Fine is doing terrific things. Latrell has done terrific things at this program. Um, obviously, the, the, the results have been good. They haven't been great. They haven't been, you know, the, the wild fantasy that people have, were hoping for. Um, I, I do hope that they end the year seven and six. I hope they make a bowl game and I hope they win that bowl game. That would be really good just because I want you to get that shot of Mason holding up a trophy. If nothing else, I might frame that myself. Honestly, it, it could you, be, it could be blurry and I'd hang that thing. All up. you have is the Zaxby's heart of Dallas bowl poster. You know, up I got those because, uh, I got those a year after the game ended. I went to the cotton bowl to shoot a soccer game and they were next they to were the trash there? can. Yeah. Oh my god! So I grabbed them. I was like, "Hey, can I grab these?" And so I got them. Oh my god! So yeah, you got to replace that with, with a frame picture of Mason. Oh, dude. then I got to get a picture. You got to have of me with game. Mason holding the picture of Mason. <laughs> a pro day, pro day, Mason, Mason, Mason. Can you come sign this? I, that would I be a packed pro day. I, I can't. Anyways. I can't wait for the for the the podcast where we talk about Mason's pro day and guess us forty. I can't wait to have Mason find on the on the podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be when he's a pro. I promise and you, we are having Mason Fine on this podcast before he leaves. You have a month before and, he graduates. Graduates? No, no, no. Before he graduates, graduates. Like, isn't he already graduated? I don't know. But regardless, we'll have him on before July. That's guaranteed. Okay. So, anyways, um, but yeah, it's come full circle. So I've I'm excited for that day. I was proud of the attendance against UTEP. As if y'all have listened to us for a long time, you know that we've talked about attendance for a while just because it kind of represents the involvement of the community of Den mm-hmm. in the team and the interest. So we kind of base what we're doing off of that in a sense, just because of like, we know if there's 30,000 people for the Houston game, all right, we better like actually like have a lot to talk about. And it's going to be a lot of talked about yeah, whether we are there or not. So we have to, bring it and we know they were gonna get questions and all this stuff so i just i'm excited i'm, I'm excited too. to see what happens there i hope that they be at least beat rice if they can beat latex then we're really really talking about what numbers if southern miss just all of a sudden loses we're winning conference usa big, right. big time conference usa <laughs> championship not Texas. um all right something or nothing con utep's 26 points the second most points they put up all year the most against an fbs opponent something th- or nothing i'm saying it's nothing because we already know that <laughs> we already know that they were going to give up points anyways I was not surprised when they went up when it was fourteen seven. When they went up fourteen points, I knew in the back of my mind the game wasn't over. Like yeah. like like okay, we talked we said earlier the game was over, but I knew that it wasn't gonna be Yeah, fifty two like, to seven. Like right. UTSA game. Right, exactly. I knew that they were still gonna put up some kind of points and Mason was just gonna have a really good day. I mean yeah. that that's just kind of what I've accepted at this point. So it's nothing. We already know what the defense is. No. Thankfully they didn't give up thirty. 
for them betters out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who want to be positive, I mean, hey, 26 points. You know, hey, it's not, are they, not awful. They covered. Does that mean they're a great team? Yes. Great teams cover. For those of y'all who don't know. The thing is, when I went to predict on online on uh, my preview, my weekly preview, I told myself, I was like, this team is going to cover because in my brain, I was like, this team is not going to cover 23 points, right? Like, I was like, there's yeah. no way. But like in, in your heart, you were but like... But <laughs> then, in my heart, I know that I've been wrong on those big games before. So, yeah. UTSA, I predicted them to not cover and they covered easily. ACU, I predicted them to cover. They did not cover. Like, those are the differences. And so, I was like, all right, I should go against my my uh, my brain here. But I ended up seeing that UTS, UTEP has not lost by more than 21 points since Tech. And I... Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess they'd win 31-21. So. I went with my brain, and I was wrong. So, anyways, so you say nothing? Yeah, it's nothing. I mean, it would have been something if this happened earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of said this against ACU. Was it something that they See, put up? Here, here, here it is. It means nothing. Exactly. Okay. So therefore, it is nothing. Yeah. Because we, it would have been a bigger deal if they held them to ten. Yeah, <laughs> we would have been sitting here something or nothing. Is it big deal if they hold them ten? We still would have said nothing because it was a fluke. <laughs> Yeah, we're just haters, Colin. We're not haters. Can't lie. All right. Um, Something or nothing. Charlotte beating Middle Tennessee, Colin. Man, you were just... I have not even said any of mine. This is really great. I didn't know you had some, Colin. I, <laughs> I've just been I, sitting I, here. I, just been I might have just under... I might underrate you here. Wow. Go ahead, though. Something or nothing. Charlotte beating Middle Tennessee. I mean, no. Conference USA... Nothing. Conference USA has been all over the map. So, nothing. Point. Conference USA is an awful conference. We've, we've decided this. All right, Colin. Give me yours. Give me your something or nothing. <laughs> Go ahead. Same. Something. Okay, ready? Something or nothing? I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Something or nothing. See, I give you all this extra time. No, I know, but I'm trying to figure out how to say it. You still can't do it. Awful. I don't, I don't know where. What I was going to say is, is, is it something or nothing that Mason has kind of been everyone's uh, reason to root for the team? I didn't know how to word that because I was gonna, I was gonna say something like this: the seven touchdowns. Like if he didn't, if he put up three touchdowns, like I'm like okay, like you said, yeah, that would have been a much boring game, much more. Boring well, I'm not, I don't, I'm not even saying boring, but it would have been, it would have almost felt like a loss. I feel like is that's what I'm kind of saying. Like yeah. is, is some, no, yeah, I I do think Mason is kind of the the reason people are watching this team right now, right? Because if they had an average quarterback back there that uh, it was his first year or something, or where they people didn't know much about. And it was just kind of like Trey Sayers running for 100 yards and these young receivers playing well and stuff. There'd be a lot less connection to the team. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, even when you look at the defense side of the ball, the only people that people know are Kyrie, Ladarius. I, yeah, I don't really think anybody else. Can name like, anybody else, yeah. I mean, people Taylor, aren't, maybe. People, yeah, Taylor Robinson, maybe. So, I mean, your connection to the team has a large impact on what how you receive them. And so that's why NFL teams... And, you know, NBA teams are promote those guys. That's why they do those funny segments where you can see, like, them, like, guess the song and stuff like that. Because, you know, you can relate to them more. So when you relate to them more, you see more. And so that's why Mason Fine coming out there in a T-Rex costume allowed people to relate to him more. Mason Fine is the engine of this team, not only on the field, not only off the field, but in people's minds. And so Mason Fine is definitely, I think, the reason that people are – as invested in this team 
at this point in the year. Right, and that, that was my question is, so is is that the only reason to watch? Okay. Yeah, and you brought it up with the UAB game. It's going to be yeah. nice to find its last game. Yeah. It's not not because it's going to be uh, Sasai Moses' last game. It's not because it's going to be, I don't even know, Nick Harvey's last game <laughs> or Kyrie Muhammad's last game. There you go, Kyrie's it's, game, it's, last game. It's, it's Mason Fine's last game. So. Okay, one more something or nothing. Go ahead. Something or nothing, Oscar Attaway coming in late. Why not just save him for next game? Because they're not going to blow out LaTeX. <laughs> like, they might get blown out by LaTeX, but they're not going to blow out LaTeX. So, it's kind of like, you know, just get them some run here. They know that there's five games left, theoretically, if they make a bowl game at that moment. Um, so, you know, you just have to play them in four of them. You don't have to, but yeah, they did. So, um, yeah, I would say that one. I, I, I would say, so I would say that- it's... I would say it's nothing. Because if it was something, if they had done it like last week or the week before, then I would say it's something because yeah. it meant that they might burn his retro or they might, you know, be actually trying to play him over Nick Smith. And I don't think they're actually trying to play him over Nick Smith. Or yeah, I Lauren think it's too late in the year for that. Yeah. So they're just going to get the four games in and re- retro him regardless. Because it would make no sense at this point not to retro him. So it's kind of like just, it's like those Jason Bean, Jason Bean snaps. It's like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> Like, let him run around and have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? You just made me think of this. Oh, this God, may God. this may just be some stupid something or nothing. Why haven't we seen Austin Aini yet? Something or nothing. Because they haven't been in the blowouts. Right, but why not switch them off a game? Like, why not, ha- why not have because Austin Because they see playoffs? Jason Bean as the future? You think so? Yes. 100%? I think, yeah, 90%. Is yeah. that scary to you? No. Because they... I, I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in somebody else. After this year, that's not me knowing no, no, anything. No, no, yeah, I completely agree with that. Like, I'm just saying, I, like, I only this, say that because Jason Bean's throwing is is not like the way he plays is not at all with how the team plays. RPO stuff. I mean, you can add some. You I mean, can he, add some he, he could run really well. You could add different wrinkles in there. I think they're. In, I think they're going to be definitely leaning on Jason Bean next year, uh, assuming they don't bring anybody in. Like, I think Jason Bean's going to be the guy. Austin is going to have to beat him out. Let me just say that. Okay. So yeah. Okay. That that then that's it. I'm done now. Okay. Um. Let's talk about La Tech real quickly. Yeah. Let's just run through this. The real best fast. team in conference, you say at this point. I didn't think we however, were going to say this. Oh, but however, I was looking at their schedule. The schedule is awful. Yeah, they played FIU, right? So let me or? tell you who their schedule is. They have one impressive one on this schedule. One. One, Colin. Okay. And they are seven and one. Okay. Their only loss came to Texas week one where they played kind of tough, 45-14. Uh, then they beat Grambling State by six, beat Bowling Green by 28, FIU by 12, Rice in overtime by three, UMass, obviously we went over them, UMass sucks, <laughs> by 47, Southern Miss by 15, that's their most impressive win, and UTEP by 21. Yeah, those are the great wins. Those are not good wins. I this like, team... I feel like the way LaTeX plays, though, is they're not... They're not going to put up gaudy numbers. They're there to win the game, and that's it. Yeah, I, I can understand that because, I mean, what we know about this team just from playing them the last three years is that, like, they're going to be a tough team to play, especially in Louisiana. And they beat – oh, well, I hold on. Let me get the stats real quick while I do this. But um, we know Jamar Smith at quarterback. Like, we know what he is, right? We know he's a yeah. pretty accurate guy. We know he's a bigger guy. He can move a little bit. He's like a – kind of like a – a Ben Roethlisberger type esque, I guess. Is he that runs a little. He runs a bit more. He runs a little bit more. Okay. Well, he only has three. He only has thirteen touchdowns to three interceptions. 
in eight games. Yeah, exactly. He's so not gonna, he's not going to blow anybody out. So yeah, he's not going to. He's not out here picking people apart for huge games. I mean, he throws for 280 yards a game, which is good, but 13 touchdowns, three interceptions does not show a quarterback that is out here risking it. He's not throwing these big plays. And a lot of that is because, I mean, the receivers aren't quite as good as they were last year. They still have Adrian Hardy, who we know is good. But after that, it's not a lot of guys that we actually know. So, um... I'm interested to see how they do. I'm interested to see how they play more so because um, I haven't seen them play this year. I haven't uh, watched them play, but I do know that they are perceived as the best team in Conference USA because they're undefeated. They're the only undefeated team in conference play at this point. Uh, they're right there with Marshall, who's 4-1. and FAU is 4-1, and obviously, in the East Division. And then the West Division, uh, UAB and Southern Miss are 3-1. and LaTeX beat, um, like I said, Southern Miss 45-30. to I, I mean, on defense, we know um we know Amik Roberts, Amik Robertson, cornerback stud, Legarius Sneed, stud. Like those two guys, we know. And then you get into like Colin Scott and James Jackson. It's like okay, like we don't really know these dudes. And that's kind of how I base <laughs> my uh, evaluation <laughs> of teams is because I did like full comprehensive previews of these teams coming in, and if they are having guys step up that aren't like. Like, for instance, uh, D'Angelo nope. Malone from West Kentucky. Like, we knew that guy was going to be a stud. And yeah. he's the best defense player in Conference USA. Like, the guys that we know are going to be good are good. Mm-hmm. It's when you have to have, like, the lesser-known guys step up that we see troubles, which, I mean, we saw with North Texas. So, um, I do think it's interesting looking at their schedule. I'm like, how much of this is just them playing a trash schedule? Kind of like UAB, in a sense. Like, UAB has played a trash schedule. And so... I'm interested to see it. They beat, they did beat Southern Miss though. At home, by 15, and they put 45 up on them. So I don't know where to really to put the line at. I would obviously have it at pretty substantial towards La Tech, but there is evidence to say that maybe it shouldn't be that high. I think. Can I just go straight ahead and guess mine? Oh yeah, go ahead. Shoot. I'm gonna say eight and a half. La Tech. La Tech. It's interesting. You've been more accurate than I have in these predictions. I should be a sports better. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> or a line maker. Um, or a line maker. No, I'd make more money the other way. Uh, I think when you look on paper, like it's going to be easy for people just to perceive Southern Miss, or I'm sorry, Louisiana Tech as like a substantially better team. And so that's why I'm kind of concerned. But I feel like they play toward each other's strengths. Both teams do. La Tech just likes to win games. The defense is awful, so I think this will be a high-scoring game. You say Southern Miss or La Tech's defense is awful? It might. I mean, no, I'm not saying. No, no, no. I'm saying North Texas defense is awful, and I'm saying that La Tech will. They won't. They won't. They're not going to put up 60 points because they don't. They don't blow out teams anyways. It'll be like 30, high 30s, low 40s, I think, and then North Texas will try to score a lot. It'll be like Mason's sophomore year. Yeah. So that's I'll, what I think. The I game put the will line be. at 11. 11. Okay. I'll take for 11. I think it'll be, I think they're going to be pretty heavy favorites here. I'm interested to see. But again, I don't know if, like, North Texas is battle tested. It's not even close compared to this schedule. LaTex played nobody. They That's played true. UMass, Rice, UTEP. But they beat FIU. By, I just want to remember that. UMass was uh, 48. Um, <laughs> Grambling State, Bowling Green. Like, don't give me this. Don't. The, F, the FIU 
I think one tells me the most because FIU was awful early. Yes. Before and after that La Tech game. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And so don't come to me and say that La Tech is 7-1 and 4-0 with conference play. They haven't played anybody besides Southern Miss. So if Southern Miss is the best team you've played all year, I don't want to hear from you. North Texas has played three teams better than Southern Miss. Now, obviously, they got ran by Southern Miss, but but regardless, like, it's going to be interesting to see how these two teams stack up because one is extremely battle-tested and one is, is just rolling right now. Yeah. It's kind of like North Texas last year. Exactly. I was just going to say. It's like North Texas last year. Like, they were rolling. They lost one game here. Like, obviously, La Tech has not lost a conference game, but kind of like North Texas last year where they're just rolling and then they get in the heart of conference play and it's like, uh-oh, like, this is not easy. So you you lose random games, and North Texas could be that random loss for Louisiana Tech, and it could put North Texas back in contention here. A lot more would have to happen, but yeah. Yes, it would, especially with Southern Miss having the tiebreaker. But Conference USA is a wacky conference like we mentioned. Um, we'll do our predictions either on the preview or on the pregame. Uh, is this? Oh, no. This is, it's an away game. It's an away you game. That's a, right. a couch pregame show. Couch pregame show, maybe. Who knows? But yeah, so we'll, we'll get our pr- predictions out there eventually. I don't know who I'm going to predict. I think I'd have to pick predict La Tech just because of like... But see, like you said, this is one of those moments where it's like my brain says La Tech, but my heart says La- <laughs> North Texas. You know what I mean? Like UTEP, obviously, I'm knew. Kinda wor- I, I'm just worried about Louisiana Tech. Does that make, like, is that, is that, is that weird to say? Like, like you I'm, think they lose the game. Like, I'm thinking Louisiana Tech hasn't you You think, had you think La Tech will lose the game, North Texas won't win the game, basically. No, I think both can be true. I think both can be true. I think that Louisiana Tech cannot play well, but I th- also think Louisiana Tech is coming off a of bye week, and they're, like I said, they haven't been tested that same way that North Texas has. They haven't had to really get into the teeth of this conference schedule. I mean, they've beaten Rice, Southern Miss, and UTEP. Two of those are hand-me wins, and now they have North Texas, Marshall, UAB coming up. That's going to define their season. North Texas season yeah. is already defined, you could argue. And so this team is just going to go out there and play, play. and yeah, hopefully play they can play loose. If they can play loose, then I think that they're going to have a shot. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll I'll, I'll have to look over it more and look into uh what they got. So So yeah, Colin. Anything else? I think I think we're good. I think we're all I think, set. I think it's basketball time. I think it is basketball time. We got a loaded podcast. So hey, if you're at the end of this one, click next, and you will uh, listen to the basketball. One. Maybe don't even cl- click next. Maybe you're it'll just like go to the next one automatically. You could awkwardly wait the like ten seconds it probably takes <laughs> to switch if you'd like, but I'd listen probably to just our intro again. <laughs> just let that intro play, man. Um, or the outro. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how many people have heard the outro. A lot of people. You think? You think people? I feel like when we get to the plugs, it's like off. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I don't know about them, but for me personally, like. If because if you don't finish a podcast, it doesn't like put it away. It, oh, really? It kind of didn't just, know that it has like the bar, and so it's like ninety five percent filled, and there's like that little bit that's not. So I sometimes just listen to it just to like it, or I'll fast forward it to like the last twenty seconds, and then just listen to that. That's and, interesting. We'll and have, and to, we'll have to see. But yeah, let that's, us know. That's what I do. I'm curious now. Yeah. Um. But anyways. Give us five stars on uh, Apple Podcast. Tell your friends to give us five stars on Apple Podcast. That is what I'm looking forward to now. Us getting five stars. I want to get to 20. We're really close. I feel like we should shoot higher. <laughs> Colin, please don't raise expectations. Well, here, you, have okay? to think, you have to think through basketball season, we got, or through football season, we got 15. Yeah, but you know what happens when we raise expectations around here. 
Hey. That was the biggest shot I've ever heard you take. That was the biggest Round shot I've ever heard you take. Come on now. Mason's not coming on the podcast anymore. <laughs> uh, but anyways, give us five stars on Apple. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Uh, follow us on Mingreen247 on Twitter. CJH Mitchell posts great pi- pictures, photos. Uh, I tweet a lot about different things. Matt at Matthew Bruni underscore. What else should I put? Oh, become a subscriber to Mingering 24-7. Uh, sign up for our uh, email, email blast, I guess you want to call it. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, but yeah, we appreciate it. We're getting into basketball soon, so we got a lot of content coming out with that. And with all that being said, we will talk to you all later. Have a good week.